And thank you, Stephen and Matthew. What an introduction. I feel really special. Last service, he called me a gift from God. And <laughs> only my mom said that. And so I appreciate Matthew for that. So lots to live up to. Um, as he said, my name is Joshua Reese. I'm the junior high pastor here. And I've been here at Gateway for about seven years, on staff for a little over four. And I absolutely love uh, my job. And Luke called me about two, a month ago, a month or so ago, and said, hey, you can choose. You can either lead worship or preach on the last week of the year. And I was like, ah, oh, that's like Jesus or the Holy Spirit. I don't know which one's better. I want, I want them both. Um, he said no to both. Uh, so I had to pick one. And then he sweetened the deal. I wasn't sure, but until he sweetened the deal, he said, you can preach on whatever passage you want. It's a standalone service. And I was like, okay, I'm in. Like I, mainly because Stephen restricts what songs I can play. And I like freedom. And so I'm like, I'm taking the freedom road. So whatever that is, I'm taking it. So I did and I got the opportunity. Um, I'm gonna preach from Matthew 11 that we just read, verse 28 through 30. It's one of my favorite verses. And it's one of those verses, and this is going to be a sermon that is going to be like a yeah, duh kind of a sermon, meaning you know it. Um, kind of like when your, your spouse says, I love you, you're like, yeah, you're my, you're my wife. You should, you know, like it's, but at the same time, it should never be that. It should be like, oh, I love you too. Thank you. I needed that. Like never take these moments, these yeah, duh moments for granted. And so uh, in this passage, as we read this invitation from Jesus, I want you to let it hit you right in the heart. I want, I want, I want you to let it get past any stones that you have there and get to the tender part of your heart and let it move you. Okay. Because I think we need it. What Jesus is going to invite us to do is rest in him. And as I prayed about what we need, I think as a church, especially after the bad word 2020, yeah, yeah. Like if I had you turn to your neighbor and tell, tell them one adjective to describe 2020, it might not go well, might not go well. It would be maybe, um, I'll tell you one thing it wouldn't probably be is restful. You wouldn't be like, oh, super restful. Maybe. March, April, when it first started, you know, when things were okay. But the, we went through a lot of stuff. And not just COVID. We went through race things. We went through a division in our own ranks, our church, this church body. Um, we had, we've been through a lot of pain. People hurt by other people. People hurt by actions, non-actions, all the way around the board. It's been a rough rough year. It's at best been something that we weren't maybe used to. And it's hard to rest when you're not used to something. Maybe when you don't feel safe even. And so I just think 2020, we, we're, we're almost through it. But the sad news is a number isn't going to fix things. So 2021, just because it's a one instead of a zero, doesn't mean it all goes away. Doesn't mean our problems are fixed. A new president won't fix everything. New policies won't fix everything. New vaccines won't fix everything. New defunding whatever you want won't fix every, anything, everything, sorry. The problem is we need a better fix. We need a better fix. And Jesus' 
words here are going to tell us what that fix is. It's, it's going to be rest. And so I just, I mean, we can have all the, all the great things in the world trying to help, and we should try to help. But at the end of the day, I think what we need for 2021 is to listen to Jesus' words when he says, rest in me. It's an invitation he's going to give. And um, it's a very strong invitation. He actually is going to make claims that say, this is the fix, like the fix. And so think of this as like a halftime talk. I'm, I'm pep talking us. We just got our butts kicked the first half. It was, it was a lot of work. We weren't ready for the offense. We were undertrained and all that good stuff. And now I'm saying 2021, the second half's coming and they're not getting, it's not going to be easier. The team's not going to be like, we'll go easier on them. No, we have to be ready. And so this is going to be a little pep talk. Before we do this, I want to pray for us, and then we'll kind of jump right into Jesus' words here. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, I praise you for this moment that we have to gather together to worship you. God, to read your word together, to study your scriptures together. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts this morning to hear from your word. God, that we would see your son Jesus that we would love him, that we would listen to his invitation. We pray all this in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, little um, setup for this passage here. It's not much, but Jesus, right before he says uh, verses 28 through 30, he's kind of on a rant, if we can say that about Jesus. I don't want to, I think he'll be okay with me saying, he's a little bit of a rant. He's going off on unrepentant cities and all these fixes that people think are right fixes. And, and we have this in our time. So in his time, he was pushing back on what people were saying, the culture was saying, you needed to do in order to be okay. They were saying, you have to do this and this and this, and they heaped burden and they heaped all these things and they thought religion was good enough and they thought all these things would make them okay. And, and I'm gonna tell you how we're gonna be able to relate to them is if you just walk outside these doors or even ask your neighbor next to you, what would make this world okay? Like, what do we gotta do to be okay? There's a lot of people saying a lot of things. There's a lot of people saying a lot of different things. If we're just this, or if we could just do this, or if we could just have this, or be educated here. All these fixes for how to be okay, how to be right, and Jesus is going to say, no, 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 no. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you the fix. So let's read here. Verse 29, he says this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is talking to a specific people. Those that labor and are heavy laden. Those that have tried and have felt burden on them. Those that cannot do this on their own. Is that anybody here? Have you ever felt that? Like, think of the restrictions that are put on us right now. Think of the, the requirements that are put on all of us right now, even by our culture. What everybody is saying, this is all we need to do in order to be right. Whether it's this tolerance or this tolerance or this education or this, this it's a religion of our day. And Jesus says, hey, listen, if, if that's you, if you're laboring to be right, if you are heavy laden, then come to me and I 
will give you rest. And listen to this. Jesus right here is offering this beautiful, beautiful gift. And I don't want to just, this is that I love you moment. Like, I love you. And you're like, okay, thanks. No, he is saying, this is a gift. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. I want you to take this gift and find rest. There's no prerequisites. Just come and I'll give you rest. He says, come to me. I got everything you need. Everything you need. Now, let's pause right there. I'm gonna give you a free lesson in life. You might already know it. Um, I switched phone carriers this weekend, all right? And we were looking, we were like, okay, my wife's phone's cracked. We keep going over on, on minutes. It's probably my wife's fault, maybe mine. Um, my phone battery's dead. And I'm like, it's dead. And I'm like, what am I going to do? So my wife sees this ad and it says, switch to so-and-so and get 12, like new iPhone 12 for free with every line you add. And I'm like, we're in. It's done. All our problems are solved. I can have rest. I'm going in for this. We're di- we went there. We said, all right, we want to do this deal. They said, oh, wait, 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 wait. That's 700, you didn't read the fine print, it's up to $730, and it's if you have a trade-in that works, which we don't, and there's a $30 SIM card charge, and there's this, and by the end of the transaction, I'm laying down like $300, like I don't know why I'm paying this, but okay, and I still have to pay for the phones. I didn't get, they lied to me, they lied to me. And so this is a free lesson to you, if it seems too good to be true, oftentimes it, it is, yeah. And so I want to run Jesus kind of through this same scrutiny, if you'll allow me to. Um, he is promising a lot. And I want, to, I want to kind of check out, is Jesus over-promising? Is he overselling himself like, like this cellular dealer did? Like, like they were like, oh, and we have this, 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 this. And I'm like, but do you have the free iPhone? <laughs> you don't. Okay. So you lied. <laughs> is his offer legit? Is his rest really the answer to all of our problems. And to understand or find the answer to this, we have to understand Jesus a little bit. Kind of thinking of him as a salesman, if you will. Again, I'm I'm making a lot of comments about Jesus that I might have to answer to elders for later. But um, thinking of Jesus as a salesman, he's selling something. He's saying, come to me and I will give you everything you need. Rest. I got it. Is his rest really the answer? Well, Jesus, what he cares about more than anything, the one thing that he came here to defeat, the thing that he says is our biggest problem is sin. It's why he took on flesh and died on the cross to save us. It is, it is our enemy. He recognizes that sin will destroy us. Sin tangles us up. Sin destroys always. He believed that it's our greatest enemy. And that's why he came to attack it. That's why he came to defeat it. And a lot of us would agree with that. We're like, yep, sin's our greatest enemy. But what we usually think is it's the sin outside of us. So it's like your sin and your sin and your sin. That's what's wrong with the world. It's the liberal sin. It's the, this person's sin. It's Trump's sin. It's this. No, Jesus is actually saying, most of the sin that makes your life hellish, it's right here. It's your own sin. It's your own heart that destroys. 
and it will destroy you if left. And this is, I think, true. If we want to kind of walk back to Genesis 3, if you will, this is sort of the way it's always been. The birth of sin in man. Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, they're in the garden. There's no cancer invading bodies. There's no old age. There's no health problems. No murder. Not a hint, not a hint of insecurity or fear. In fact, they live naked. That's how secure they are. Who would like to be that? I'd like to be that secure. And guess what? They're 100% provided for. They're an easy relationship to each other. They're an easy relationship to nature. And most importantly, they're an easy relationship to their father and their maker, God. They were literally prince and princess to the king of the universe. Spoiled, rotten kiddos that were loved so dearly. They had everything that they could ever need and that we now have to labor so hard for. In essence, you could say they had real rest. The rest that Jesus is gonna speak about here in this passage, rest where you're in right relationship with God and life is exactly how he designed it to be. But then, Satan comes and snatches it up from them. And he's quite good at it. Sort of like my uh, new carrier. He simply offered them what they thought was more. And he let them create their own misery. He painted a picture of <clears throat> where, where God's provision was less than. And where they could simply reach out and take hold of their new destiny. And that if they would do that, they could be as smart as God, meaning they don't need God, meaning they're equal to God. They would gain his power and maybe even his title. See, Satan tricked them into working for the things that they didn't need, that they already had, that they could never really attain and what they would never find again. And oh, how the apple does not fall far from the tree, pun intended. Like we are guilty of this a thousand times over, a thousand times over. As a parent and as a youth pastor, I see this all the time. It was the saddest thing of being a parent. I love being a parent to my four kiddos. My oldest is 15, my youngest is eight, and I, I love them all so dearly. But my saddest part of being a parent was watching them grow up from this like, two, three, four, five kindergarten age when everybody was friends and everybody liked each other and everybody was nice and they didn't try to see who was better. They didn't care if you were pretty or ugly or skinny or fat or rich or poor or weird or silly or nerdy or anything like that. They didn't care about any of that. And then slowly, but surely, sadly, around second or third grade, they usually start and they start to see through a lens either how they're seen and they start to believe that, how they're seen, and, and they start to doubt their worth. And so then in return, they doubt others' worth 
And they developed this rubric of how to judge people on how they look and what they, how much money they make or how, much, how nice they dress or this and that. And it becomes this tribal, ugly, disgusting, broken relationship. And they end up having to work just to be liked. They labor and they are heavy laden. They have insecurities. They go to school and they're like, yeah, dad, but you don't understand. And I'm like, no, you're amazing. And they're like, no, you don't understand. Right? And they now are working and laboring. And guess what? They grow up into you and I, and they continue to do it. Isn't that a bummer about us? Isn't that a sad, sad reality that sin comes in and Satan tricks us just like he tricked Eve into working hopelessly for what God has already given. He already said we were worthy. He already said we had value. He already said we didn't have to be heavy laden and, and laboring for these things. And yet we start to believe not God and believe everyone else. And this is what sin does. And if you're not convinced of that, I just want to say this. Have you ever sat and wondered why this world doesn't just work better? Like, why can't Christmas and kindergarten just always be? Why does it ruin? And why can't we fix it? Like, we're more educated than we've ever been. We, well, maybe, I guess. I, I don't know. We think we're more educated than we've ever been. We have more technology. We have more access to counselors. And all these things that should help us, that a lot of people are saying, this is what we need in order to be right. And yet the world still seems to mess up. And I think, and I propose, that it's because Jesus is right about sin. That that sin creeps in. Our main problem is going to be sin. And so when we acknowledge that sin is our greatest problem and we begin to see things the way Jesus does, we see that sin is what's causing us to labor and be heavy laden. Our need for rest is actually a need for the death of sin in our lives. And so here we get to return to this great, great invitation from Jesus that says, come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus says, come, find rest in me. Find rest in me. I'll fix your sin problems. I have the fix. I'll give you forgiveness of your sin. In other words, I can get us back to that garden. I'm the only one. I can make right relationship with God. I can give you forgiveness of sins. I can restore your rightness. And you don't have to keep trying to take it back. And so I'll ask you guys today, do you need forgiveness of sin? Could you benefit from trusting that Jesus will give you rest when you come to him? Rest knowing that your sins are forgiven. That is good news, guys. That is amazing news that we have forgiveness of sins, that we can be made right with the holy, holy God. But the cool thing is, Jesus doesn't stop there. If we look in verse 29, Jesus could just stop with, with there, but he goes on and he says this in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. See, a lot of times we are content with just stopping, putting the finish line at forgiveness of sins. So we think that's fullness of rest. We're going to stop there. We have forgiveness of sins. We're good. But Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I have so much more for you. I have life abundantly. You want life? Follow me. He says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from Jesus. Rest isn't just forgiveness of sin. It's also being able to learn from Jesus, to be more like him, to have, guess what? Freedom from sin. Like imagine that. It, not wanting that is like if my wife asks me, do I look ugly in this dress? And I just don't answer, then I'm safe. If I stay there, that's ridiculous. That might be the first step. But then I'm like, okay, wife, teach me what to say. <laughs> I want to learn from you. How do I respond appropriately, right? I'm learning. We don't want to just not get the wrong answers. We want to get the right answers. We want to be able to follow Jesus in this. This is a gift that he gives us. It's a gift that he gives us. Instead of just taking forgiveness and sin and stopping, what if we actually learned from Jesus and we took on his ways and we rested in them and we stopped giving in to sin? He says this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you know, all we have to do is come to Jesus. This is what he says. The invitation is this, come to me. Learn from me. Rest in me. Don't we need that? Don't we need that rest? Listen, Jesus does not promise, hey, your life is gonna be awesome. In fact, Jesus says, they persecuted me, they're gonna persecute you if you follow me. And yet I would venture to say that Jesus was the most restful person that ever lived because he put his faith, his rest, his hope in God the Father. He was dependent on God the Father. And so we can follow, as we learn the ways of Jesus, we learn to now, instead of taking from our power source that we normally do, which is ourselves, whether, that's, whether that takes the form of you worrying about things that you can't fix, things that only a sovereign God could fix, right? or whether it's you downplaying your sin because you have forgiveness and rest there and you don't really wanna learn the rest of the ways of Jesus. Whatever it is, whatever you're leaving on the table, not resting in him, man, don't miss out on that. Do not miss out on that. Jesus says to this, come all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Learn from me. Learn my ways. We look at the way Jesus did it. He was dependent on the Father. In prayer, he rested knowing, even going to the cross. Guys, listen, none of us have been crucified yet, so we've not had a worse year than Jesus, right? And Jesus, going to the cross, says, I'm resting in you, God. He says, listen, I'm going to do whatever you want, Father. 
I'm going to do whatever you want. Because it's your strength, it's your power that's going to get me through this. To live outside of that, which is what a lot of us do. We live outside of God's rest because we choose our own way. We're like, I got a better way. 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 Instead, if we could learn from Jesus, we would learn to trust in the Lord. We would learn to draw from his power and not ours. We would rest knowing that he is God and in control of all things and can deliver what he says. He delivers real rest. In fact, I would venture to say that we cannot have real rest apart from Jesus Christ. We cannot be made right. And so if you're in this room today and you've never entered that rest, you've never taken Jesus up on his offer, I want to repeat this invitation to you. He says this quite simply, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will give you rest. And if you're in this room and maybe you've taken that rest in, in portions, you've taken the forgiveness of sin, you recognize that God is good and sent Jesus to die for you and you're enjoying that rest, but there's other things that you have neglected to learn from him, to take on his yoke, to, to follow Jesus in. You're punting on rest. And here's his invitation to you today. Come to me and I'll give you rest for your soul, the good kind. Isn't that great? Rest for your soul. And so I hope that this year and as 2021 comes, that whatever it brings, that whatever it brings, that instead of maybe making a lot of New Year's resolutions that we won't keep probably, maybe we could take time to pray and go, hey God, show me the areas in my life where I'm not resting in you because I want your rest. Teach me. I want to learn from you, Jesus. If we do that, I believe that this church can have a fantastic 2021, that we can actually experience real rest. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would be with us as you promised to be. Father, forgive us when we fail to follow you and to enter into your rest. God, show us those areas in our lives and teach us how to have your peace as we enter into this world. Jesus, work your way in us. Spirit, we pray that you would make us more like Jesus. And as we head into 2021, God, help us to be a church that is marked by Jesus. We pray the world would recognize our rest in him. And we pray that they would see us as gentle and lowly in heart, just as he is. We pray all this in his name. Amen.